Good morning. My name's Biddy Taylor and uh, I'm a member of Above Bar Church here in Southampton. And I, for a number of years, I was uh, a mission partner from the church in Indonesia. But it's a great privilege to be here this morning and to be able to share God's word with you people here in Portswood and wherever else you may be watching or listening. So as we come to God's word, let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you that we have your word here in our hands and we pray that by your spirit you will speak to us through your word. Give us hearts that hear and listen and understand and are willing to obey what you say to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine you're walking along Portswood Broadway on your way to church on a Sunday morning, um, perhaps not during the pandemic, but in more normal times. And suddenly uh, a Chinese student runs up to you and says, um, can I come to church with you? Yes, sure. And you're a bit surprised. And then an Iranian lady comes up and says, uh, can I come to church with you? Yeah, sure. And perhaps says, an African, Ghanaian guy comes up. Excuse me, can, can I come to church? Well, by this time, you're getting a bit bewildered. But this goes on and on. And you've got 10 different people all wanting to come to church with you. I mean, how would you be feeling? Uh, somewhat bewildered? Overwhelmed? Delighted? Suspicious? <laughs> no, perhaps all of those things. But you know, there is an amazing little picture tucked neatly away, nearly at the end of the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Zechariah, which says just that. Well, almost. Uh, Zechariah was a prophet who was given the task of telling the Jewish people, who were having a pretty tough time, really, better times were ahead. And in Zechariah chapter 8, we read how God is going to bless Jerusalem. Uh, people are going to come to the temple. This is symbolic of God's kingdom coming. God is going to bless them. So if you have a Bible, if you'd like to turn to Zechariah chapter 8, Zechariah is the second to last book in the Old Testament. And Zechariah chapter 8, and just one verse, verse 23, where we get this wonderful little picture. Zechariah eight twenty-three. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the edge of his robe and say, Let us go with you, because we have heard that God is with you. Amazing. Of course, we don't live in Old Testament times, but Zechariah's prophecy began to be fulfilled in his time. But of course, it was when Jesus came that the kingdom of God began to be inaugurated. Jesus himself, didn't he preach that uh, the kingdom was coming, that it was near, that it had come? And of course, like most prophecy, the ultimate fulfillment will be when Jesus comes again and brings in the kingdom of heaven and reigns supreme. And we get that lovely picture, don't we, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, of people from every language and 
ethnic group worshipping God together. John writes, Before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. But we live in that interim period between the first and second coming of Jesus. So how should we live in the 21st century here in Southampton or wherever you are, if we're to see this prophecy continuing to some extent to be fulfilled, seeing men and women, boys and girls of every nationality, every level of society being drawn to the Lord Jesus through us? And that's the question I'd like us to consider this morning. So I've called this talk, for want of a title, uh, Jesus Followers Who Attract Others to Jesus. And someone who saw this being worked out in this interim period between the first and second coming of Jesus was, of course, the Apostle Paul. And I think we can learn a great deal from the way that he went about it. If you'd like to turn now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the passage that was read to us, which you probably thought I was never getting to, uh, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, it seems to me that in these verses, we can learn a great deal about how to live our lives so that we can be Jesus followers who attract others to Jesus. This chapter gives us a a great example of bold witnessing and Christ-like living that attracts people to the good news of Jesus so that they want to know this Jesus for themselves and then go on to share this news with others. So what do we learn from this example where there's so much we can learn from it, isn't there? But I'd like to highlight just three things. And the first is really the the origin and the content of the message. And then we'll look at the messengers and finally the results of sharing this message. So firstly, the origin and the content of the message. I mean, in verse 2, Paul reminds the Thessalonians that it was only with God's help that they had the strength to move to Thessalonica to tell them about Jesus, with the help of our God, he says. And in verse 4, We get these glorious words. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Reminds me of that verse in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.20, where we're told that we are God's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us or through them. And doesn't that excite you? I think that excites me that God has entrusted us with this amazing good news. Maybe frightens us a little bit too, but um, to a world still reeling from the pandemic and not quite knowing where it's going, we have this glorious message of hope given to us by God himself, this amazing good news. Good news that there is a God who loves us and has a plan and a purpose for us. A God who is in control in a world that so often seems out of control. A God who longs to have a relationship with us and yet is so holy and perfect that we can't even come near to him. 
And yet, who has made a way, hasn't he, through the Lord Jesus, sending his son, who took on himself all our failures, all our disasters, sin, the Bible calls it, to be punished for us by dying on that cruel Roman cross, going through hell himself so that we don't have to. Then rising from the dead, conquering death, enabling us to have a real relationship with him, with our holy, loving God. Call him Father. And to know that whatever happens in this world, we have an amazing future ahead of us, living with God for all eternity. That's not spelled out here. Talks about the gospel, but that's what the gospel is, isn't it? Good news to a COVID-stricken world. Good news that's worth sharing. And it's because God is at work that we can trust God to give us those opportunities. You know, God is at work in people, even here in Southampton and possibly where you are, in certainly where you are, even today. That picture in Zechariah, 10 people taking hold of the coat of one person and asking to go with them because they've heard that God was with them. Well, it is still happening today. Maybe, well, sort of, not exactly the same. But um, perhaps not hanging on to our coats. But a few months ago, Wendy, that's not her real name, but she arrived in Southampton from China. Her parents were Buddhists. Wendy had looked into Buddhism, but decided that that really didn't give her any hope, any future. And she certainly wasn't satisfied with the atheism she'd been brought up with as a young person in China. So as soon as she arrived in Southampton, she looked on the web, quite unsolicited, found a Christian church, contacted them, and asked how she could find out more about Christianity, more about Jesus. And now she's a really keen seeker. I think she might even be a follower of Jesus already. But you see, that was all God's doing. God initiated it. God put it into our heart. I think we can really take heart from that. Trust God and let us be ready to take the opportunities that he gives. Well, that's the, the, something about the message and the um, who gave us the message. What about the messengers? The first thing we see about them, I think, is that they were brave and they were bold. In verse 2, uh, it tells us that we had, they had suffered, uh, previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. That's where they'd been sharing the good news uh, before. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel, his gospel, in the face of strong opposition. As we've seen, it took courage for them to go to Thessalonica and to share the good news with the people there. Wonder how bold we are. Here in this country, we almost certainly won't face that sort of opposition. <clears throat> but it can be hard, can't it? It doesn't mean that it's easy. Often we find it quite difficult. But let's pray that God will give us the courage, make us bold to share the good news. And then secondly, they were completely transparent. No false motives. 
Look at verse 3, verses 3 to 6. For the, the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as people approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. It can be easy, can't it, to just sort of play down the gospel message a little bit or just, um, you know, change some aspect or not tell people some aspects so as not to offend them or, or just sort of perhaps, um, I don't know, not be quite um, outright and um, clear about it all, leave out some difficult bits. But we see here that Paul and his team, they weren't out to please his hearers, but they were out to please God. And so they shared with complete honesty and integrity. Let's pray that our witnessing, our sharing the good news will be the same with honesty and integrity. And then the next thing we see about the messengers, they gave it their all. As we saw, it was no easy ride when they arrived in Thessalonica. We see in verse 8 that this was costly service, whole life witness. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And why were they prepared to do this? Well, in verse 7, because it flowed from genuine love, because we loved you so much. They'd only just met them, for goodness sake, and yet here they are, with their love so overflowing for them that they worked 24-7, as we read in verse 9, to earn their keep, to not be a burden on these people. And Paul and the whole team sharing flowed out of a costly Love for God and for the people they were serving, sharing their lives with him, with them. A few months before COVID struck us, um, I had a lodger living with me in my home, plus a friend who was staying here for a few months because she'd sold her home in Birmingham and was moving down here looking for a flat. And that pretty much filled my three bedroom semi. Then one day, for no fault of her own, another friend suddenly found that she had to get out of her, her one room, rented uh, room, immediately. And she'd nowhere to go. Oh dear, what should I do? She'd been a friend that I had been delighted to share the gospel with. Oh, we'd read the Bible. I'd shared the good news of Jesus with her. But my life as well, I can tell you it was a battle. I was very sympathetic, but I can't say I was overflowing in love. Okay, she did end up on my floor. It all worked out in the end. But I do wish that I could have been so overflowing in love that uh, my heart would have uh, really gone out to her much more. And I'd have welcomed her joyfully rather than perhaps a little bit reluctantly onto my floor. It's interesting that when we genuinely love then nothing seems to be too much of a burden, does it? Do you remember Jacob? 
I love that uh, that little verse tucked away in Genesis 29, uh, verse 20. Uh, after Jacob had to work for seven years to earn Rachel. And you probably know it well. It says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Oh, isn't that lovely? But oh, that we would have more of that sort of love for the people we're reaching out to. Whoops, one moment. So let's pray that God will fill us with genuine love for the people that he brings across our paths. And uh, when it's costly to go on sharing, not just the gospel, but our lives with these people, to do so willingly out of an abundance of love uh, for God and for them. And then the last thing we see about these people was that they were gentle and encouraging. Verses 10 to 12, uh, we have this lovely picture of how they went about the task. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. First and foremost, they themselves, these messengers, were full of integrity, filled with the spirit. And then we get those Lovely words, don't we? Encouraging, comforting, urging. Our friends, let's not be so keen to persuade our friends to believe in uh, what we're trying to tell them that we forget to be caring, encouraging, comforting, urging. Let's graciously reach out to those with whom we want to share the good news of Jesus. And then what was the result of sharing this message? Well, we see that uh, Paul's mission was effective and ongoing. Right there in the first verse one of this chapter, Paul tells us that his mission was not a failure. Ours won't always be a success, but this one certainly was. As a result of this living and sharing amongst the people, a community of believers was planted. They realized that this was no ordinary message. This was something that came from God in verse 13. And they responded. And then they themselves were clearly carrying on this vision. We read in verse 14 that they became imitators of God's churches in Judea even to, being in, uh, to the point of being persecuted, as those churches had been. They wouldn't be persecuted if they weren't doing anything, so they were clearly sharing the good news as well and living out this gospel. And they were prepared to suffer for it. How we long to see not just individuals receiving Jesus, though that's good, but whole families, whole communities, groups of people, who will be able to influence others and go on and on spreading the good news. Do we long to see that little picture in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, being worked out here, wherever you are, here in Great Britain, here in Southampton, or wherever we might be? 
Let's learn from Paul's example and be encouraged that it's the God who has entrusted us with this glorious good news who is at work and will initiate our encounters. Let's remember to be people of integrity, bold, genuine, willing to share not just the gospel but our lives with people and trust God to give us the results. Let's pray that those results will be ongoing, constantly reproduced in the lives of those who come to Christ. And for our encouragement, almost the last thing that Paul writes in this letter, 1 Thessalonians, to these people, in chapter 5, verse 24, is this. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.